afternoon, church. Welcome to the Eternity Life Podcast. I am Pastor Daniel, and today is episode 10, Soul. Of the five ways you live forever, this would be number three, and it's soul. And just a reminder that none of these podcasts happen in a vacuum, that everything that's happening in the world right now influences the way that we talk about the eternity life. Somehow our temporal life enters our eternity life and vice versa. Today for me is February the 10th, 2021. It's actually my daughter's seventh birthday. And since we spoke last, there have been a lot of newsworthy things happening. A contested presidential election and an American president banned from social media for intentionally spreading lies. White conservatives throwing a highly illegal temper tantrum in the Capitol building. A coronavirus that has us working, eating, and crying at home for almost a year now. People over 65 and medical professionals are all getting their vaccines, which in and of itself is a miracle. The internet friends from Reddit clobbered greedy hedge funds on Wall Street. Okay, that one's pretty funny to me. (laughs) Black Lives Matter movement is stronger than ever. Names like Stacey Abrams, Kamala Harris, and Amanda Gorman are all deservedly household names. It is an interesting and strange time to be alive. Let's breathe that in. So far on this podcast, in the five ways we live forever, we've talked about energy, that everything you do affects everything and everyone else forever. And voice, what we do with our 20,000 words a day and how that matters. And the two that we'll get to in the coming podcasts Uh, Our time, which is our most precious resource, and love, which is the only language of the eternity life. But today we're going to talk about the middle of the five ways we live forever. You might call it the core, and that is our soul. When I was a young pastor, I taught confirmation every Sunday afternoon, and I tried so many ways to get young people to open up. How's life, I'd say? Good And we do highs and lows. They would say, my high is that it's Sunday. My low is that I have to go back to school tomorrow. Then somehow one day we were talking about the soul and what it says in Luke 21, which we'll get to here in a minute. And I phrased it differently that day. I said, how is your soul doing? And I don't know if it was the language around soul And if that was combined with the fact that we were just growing closer together and growing in trust for each other. But it was like it was a window into how their core being was actually doing. How's your soul doing? And they opened up. Someone said, my mom yelled at me today. And I knew I did something wrong, but she didn't need to make me feel worse. Somebody said, a girl I like at school rejected me. Somebody said, my dad thought that I wanted to play football, but I don't. He wants me to play football. And I was like, holy cow. Something about asking about the soul untangled the earbuds so that I could listen to their lives. It was the password given to the old lady in the painting so that I could get into the Gryffindor common room. If you don't get that reference, it was like Bugs Bunny saying, open sesame. There's something about soul that is core to us. It drives at the point of our lives, the the very 
essence of our being. So my question to you listeners is, how is your soul doing? I didn't know when I started writing this podcast a year ago that Disney Pixar were also working on a movie about soul, and there'll be no spoilers here. I think we should mention it. And I loved how the movie depicted the human soul to be the driving force, the passion of one's life, the raison d'etre. I love how it's the soul that makes you, you. Some early church followers called the Gnostics said that your soul was like a divine spark, that there's a tiny piece of God inside of you that fuels you. And I absolutely love that this idea plays out in science and in our human story the same way. In science, the center of a cell is called the nucleus. It controls everything. Everything else rotates around it. And if you get smaller than that, the center of an atom is also called a nucleus. And everything else in the atom revolves around it. And if you scale up rather than down, we live on a planet in a solar system in which the center of the solar system is the sun. Everything revolves around it. And if you scale up from that and you put a bunch of solar systems together, they form a galaxy. And at its center of every galaxy is a black hole, which we know almost nothing about. But we can assume its importance since every large galaxy seems to orbit one. So science and nature both tell us that our lives revolve around the core, the center. There's something at the center of us that makes the whole more profound than just the sum of its parts. We call that core of ourselves our soul. It's the divine center guiding us from birth to death before it returns back to God. I kind of like to think about Robert Downey Jr. playing Iron Man. The core of the Iron Man suit is its power source, but the core of the power source was Tony Stark, who invented it, or rather reinvented it, from his father's design. Now, Tony Stark, on his own, without the suit, is not Iron Man. And someone else, such as Colonel Rhodes, when he wears the suit, he is not Iron Man. He actually becomes a war machine. No, it takes the essence the soul of Tony Stark, to wear the suit to be Iron Man. And in the same way, no one does you better than you. In the same way, it takes your divine spark inhabiting your body in this time and in this place to make you you. It is both temporal and the spark that is eternal. You are both mortal and eternal. That is the human experience. In the human experience, we see this play out, and not just in Western theology, which is what I absolutely love about this idea. Have you ever heard of the phrase namaste, like in yoga? Well, in Indian culture, and later added to Hinduism, namaste was a greeting where you bow to each other. You put your hands in front and you bow to each other. And the translation from Sanskrit can be described I bow to the divine that is in you that is also in me. Or the light in me honors the light that is inside of you. So you can call it what you want. Soul, divine, spark, light, Christ. Man, I love that. 
The Bible uses lots of language to describe the life inside of you. Soul appears in the New Testament as the Greek word for soul, which is psyche. And Greeks are the ones who sort of came up with the word soul in Western culture. But before that, the Bible makes lots of attempts to describe the soul without having quite that word. Like, like they're pining for the perfect word. Like the Hebrew word nephesh, which used to refer to the soul of something before it died. The breath of God also embodies soul called ruah. And God uses this breath, the ruah, to add life to the clay to make the first person. Sort of a holy breath. A spirit. When Jesus is baptized, there's language that the Holy Spirit descends on him. The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. And there's a question in the language about if the Holy Spirit enters Jesus at that point, that Jesus becomes divine at that point, that the, the spark of the divine becomes active in him at that point. And, and it, if the Holy Spirit enters him and sort of possesses him, then the next thing that happens in Mark's gospel, at least, is that Jesus wanders around possessing by the Holy Spirit and using that power to call out evil spirits that are possessing the bodies of others, which it actually sounds a little bit like Tony Stark calling out Obadiah from inside their suits in Iron Man 1. Reminds me of our calling for the divine spark to help others find health, to help others find reconciliation and forgiveness to call others out on their mess and call them to a life of beauty and truth and love and eternity. Our souls are what possess us. They animate us. They are what make us more than flesh and bone and stardust. And what's most precious to me is that our souls are eternal Our Bible verse today comes from Luke 22, a line that gripped me since my childhood, especially in the old King James Version. And it says, In your patience possess ye your souls. I love the old King James Version because it reminds me of my childhood. But I think there's a better translation for this also, which is, In your endurance you gain your soul. I love the idea that the soul is something that you gain, like lifting weights helps you grow biceps. You make gains, no pain, no gain. Lifting weights is about an enduring resistance. Weights are literal resistance for your muscles. And when you endure them, you break the bonds of your muscles and you reform your muscles even stronger by enduring resistance. I really like the idea of endurance gains your soul rather than patience, because patience sounds a lot like waiting. It's very passive. Yet we know in this year of pandemic that doing nothing raises our anxiety and our fears worse than if we did something, if we have something to work on, if we have something to gain, if we have something to resist. Jesus says in this sentence, in your endurance gains your soul. In the middle of a prophecy about how times will sometimes be bad, he says nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. But we don't have to go far in our imagination to find that one, do we? People looked at Donald Trump, a raging narcissist who spews hate and lies every day, 
who is unfit to compete in a high school debate club, let alone run the country. And yet 70 million Americans voted for him for a second term as president. And after he lost the election, he did what all narcissists do. He blamed everyone else but himself. This is conduct unbecoming of a president, let alone an adult. He incited other Americans to throw a violent temper tantrum in the nation's capital. Potential coup is too strong of language for the lack of organization here. Insurrection is a good word for the loss of life, the fear and damage that it caused. But temper tantrum best articulate how their souls were doing. Jesus tells us that there will be more than bad days. Sometimes there will be bad seasons and years. Jesus' warning is enough to make us travel to the bunker of our souls, to count and wait out the days, locked away with hats made of tinfoil, to protect our divine spark from injury or ridicule. But this is not the eternity life. This actually weakens the divine spark. Like hiding a candle under a bushel weakens its light. Like refusing to lift heavy things weakens your biceps. Your divine spark needs activity. It needs to acknowledge the divine spark in others, even in your enemies. It needs to feel your passions surge. It needs purpose and growth and adventure. And that's why asking teenagers how their soul was doing gave us a window into their longings and their emotions straight to the core. Because emotions is the language of the soul. Emotions run our lives. They tell the truth of how our soul is doing. Emotion in this country is very high. It feels like I've got my arm in that blood pressure machine at CVS, and I'm headed for the high score sometimes. Our emotions are linked to how our soul is doing. Our emotions remind us that we are alive. And they surge because they're trying to tell us something. So don't discount your emotions. Don't judge your emotions as good or bad. They just are. But when your emotions get your attention, give them your attention. Emotions are like five-year-olds. You can ignore their tugging on your sleeve for a while, but they won't go away until you've answered their questions. When we don't deal with our emotions, they get the better of us. And we throw temper tantrums. How we respond to a crisis, such as this day that we live in, shows others about the power of Christ in our lives. It shows us the endurance of our souls. Our faith doesn't have to be dependent on believing in a bunch of facts or reciting creeds. Faith is alive. It's the passion and light and fire and warmth of the divine spark that fuels you the same way that passion and light and fire and warmth of the sun is what we revolve around every day. What Christ did for us by dying on the cross was to show us the power of love that is enduring. This kind of love is unmatched, unconditional, reckless love that God places inside of all of us when we draw our first divine breath. Divinity is in the recipe. We have the divine spark inside of us. So what makes you, you? We act like Christ when we endure, not passively, but actively resisting the forces of evil in this world, not by judging others, 
but by enduring and grinding and reforming, not by passively letting evil take over, but by endurance we gain our very souls. So, Eternity Life followers, your soul is already eternal, and there is nothing you can do to earn or unearn your eternity life. All you can choose is whether or not you want to possess your soul. And I pray that you do. Amen. Thank you.